Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Tell Me Leather podcast. I'm Logan, and after a long, extended break, I am back in the country. I've missed about two and a half weeks of college football, so we're going to be playing catch-up this week, and here to help me with that are my good friends, uh, Andrew out in Tennessee. How's it going today, Andrew? Uh, not too bad. Um, basketball is a stupid sport, but you know, other than that, doing pretty good. I thought football was a stupid sport. I mean, multiple sports can be stupid. <laughs> what about soccer? You want? I did actually see a couple of things happen for the Hotspurs while I was overseas. You want to talk about those real fast? Not really. I'm kind of <laughs> depressed. <laughs> All right. Well, in a non non sports related, Artem, how's everything going with your family out in Texas? Pretty good. We aren't swinging any helmets. So what's the deal with the swinging helmets? Well, uh, the Steelers quarterback decided to grab the balls of Miles Garrett and then uh, push them, and his buddies helped out, and then they were all really surprised when Miles Garrett tried to hit one of them with the helmet he pulled off. So what do y'all, what do y'all feel about the ruling on that situation? Because I... I know I'm supposed to pretend like I don't know anyth- anything, but I have read the news recently. I mean, do you feel like Miles Garrett should be suspended for the entire year for doing that? He's not the first player to do that. I feel like if you're trying to make an example out of somebody, you punish everybody in that whole situation equally, no matter what. If you're an instigator, you participated, everybody's done for the- That's how you make an example you don't make an example out of one guy who had a reaction to something else just kind of part of the whole if you watch college football i I don't like how we do that too sometimes you know a guy will instigate some shit somebody will push him and then the guy who's retaliating gets the flag but if you're the guy that's instigating you pretty much never get called we have uh you can watch tape now you can go back and look if, if you got a flag for something like that, I think it should be reviewable. I think if a guy's instigating crap like that, same penalty. That's how you set an example. So you just feel like they both should be in, they should both be suffered to that penalty, really more so than anything. Yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're punishing somebody for something, unless one guy like killed a guy and the other one didn't kill a guy, like it was that extreme, you, they should have equal punishments. If you start shit. You get the same punishment as the guy who retaliated against you. That's how you get that kind of stuff to stop. Because what happens if you don't do that, if you just punish the second guy, the first guy will always try to do something. And I know, Andrew, talking a little basketball a little bit, we've seen that in basketball too. Uh, guys trying to instigate some stuff, and then you get personal fouls and people kicked out of the game. Review it, kick them both out. Uh, I feel like this kind of works into the flopping argument, too, where if you're instigating stuff or if you're trying to uh, drag out a penalty or on somebody else to get them penalized, it gets you in trouble. But it seems like people tend to side with the ones that escalate more than the ones that instigate. Andrew, do you got any thoughts on the matter? I'm really surprised that Mason Rudolph didn't get at least uh, a suspension because I think Artem does kind of hit on it. What Garrett did, you really can't do. I mean, you can't rip another guy's helmet off and swing it at him. I'm pretty sure that's against the rules. But then, I mean, you can watch at the bottom of the pile that, you know, Rudolph's 
got his hands up in his face. I mean, it's it, he was provoked on some level. So I think you kind of sit everyone. You say, hey, we're not going to tolerate any of this. But if we've learned anything about the NFL, is they'll do anything in their power to protect quarterbacks. I mean, it's why we've seen so many rule changes that some of them I still don't even understand. But uh, the other thing is, it's always been the second man that gets in trouble. Every single sport, it's it's the guy that throws the second punch that gets in trouble, that gets caught, that gets thrown out. Like, uh, you got to have composure. I mean, that's that's the thing is, and it's tough because you know these guys are playing fueled by adrenaline, and you know somebody says something about somebody's mama, and you know you can fight about it, but you got to be able to, you know, tone it down and not you know fight like that but i don't know like i said the, the biggest thing to me is the fact that rudolph got off with no suspension one last thing before we move back to college football did y'all actually watch the uh mason rudolph quote unquote apology uh video and if so did y'all think that was genuine because i was watching it on pti this today and uh both of them seemed to think that it was a genuine apology but i looked at it and i was like this guy's just saying what he has to to get out of any punishment he, he they're, that he's afraid they're going to dole out. But I don't know. Andrew, did you see any of that? No, I, I didn't even know he had he had apologized or been pushed to apologize. So I may have to take a look at it. Let's see. you talking about the, the like immediate apology that was right after the game? Or was there a new one he had? Uh, I... I'm not sure what the timeline of of it was. I just know there was an apology where he was reading notes off of a pa- a pad in front of the media, and ba- I th- it might have been right after the game. But he's basically like, "Yeah, I could have handled it better." Blah blah blah. You know, we both probably should have shouldn't have done that. Blah blah blah. You know. Oh, uh, I see that now. I actually just googled it real quick. It came out today. No, so he had one right after the game where he was like, "Maz um, uh, it's a coward. He's you know." a scummy for doing that kind of thing and he's pretty much standing there like smirking and smiling the whole time so i guess this is the they didn't when they didn't issue him punishment somebody in that system was like if you don't go apologize right now you can get suspended we'll have to go get colin kaepernick <laughs> we'll have to go get colin kaepernick okay yeah that's another thing you missed colin kaepernick had nah, to work they'll, out. Uh, they'll play duck hodges the guy they played when rudolph was hurt no, so what's the deal with this Kaepernick thing? Uh, got so much to talk about that isn't even related to college football. Okay, okay. We're quickly, you got three minutes. Go over the Kaepernick thing, Artem. So Kaepernick has a workout that like 25 or something out of 32 teams say they're going to attend. Then an hour beforehand, he's like, uh, if you guys aren't going to let me tape it with my own stuff and put it online... Um, I'm moving it. Fuck it. I'm moving the whole thing. He, he like refused to negotiate. Whatever. I mean, he had a good point, but I think there was time to figure it out there. But this dude moves it to a high school, and we'll get that. That's in a second. But um, apparently, 250 fans show up. He's signing autographs. Usually, when you're signing autographs for fans, you're like sitting at a table or standing up, and they're giving you stuff. This was at a high school that had a fence around it and had, like, prison wire on top of the fence, and he's passing items in and out of the prison wire. Like, you're supposed to be this, like, man of the people. Fucking go out and talk to these guys. Like, what are you, an idiot? Anyway, he throws the ball. All they talk about afterwards is how he can throw the ball really well deep, and I I don't know. I honestly thought he kind of 
messed up every single throw. Sure, he's been out of the NFL for three years, but I didn't. It didn't seem elite to me. His wide receivers were jumping like crazy trying to catch the balls he was throwing. Um, but because he moved it an hour before it was supposed to happen, only like eight teams show up. So he has a speech at the end where he calls them all out and he's like, "Balls on your court. I did what I can." Uh, he's wearing a like slavery or anti-slavery T-shirt while he's doing this whole th- bit, and he pretty much just, just like calls out all the NFL teams and their owners because that's how you get a job. You come into an interview telling them they're garbage and they owe you a job. Yeah, it seems a little contradictory, um, at least in my mind, that uh, he's trying he's trying out for these teams and yet he's calling them out for basically being uh, garbage. But I don't know, Andrew. What was your perspective on the whole matter? I really didn't pay that much attention to it. <laughs> um, my thoughts on Colin Kaepernick have always been, if we've learned one thing about the NFL, if you're good enough, they don't care about the circus around you. Look at the fact that Greg Hardy kept getting signed even after all of his craziness. The problem is that Kaepernick wasn't good enough for the media circus. It's the same thing with Tim Tebow. Were they pretty decent? Yeah, sure. But they weren't good enough players for teams to deal with the circus around them. You know, I I think moving it was dumb. Um, apparently, he and Stephen A. Smith just started going at it, so I may have to go back and watch that because I think that would be hilarious. But, I mean, also, dude, you're 32. Uh, if you really, really, really want to play, maybe someone in Canada will take you, but sorry, dude. Yeah, he is getting a little long in the tooth. I didn't even think about his age because I haven't seen him in for so long. But, yeah, I mean – it's one thing to throw on a practice field or in a high school with nobody else around and be like, yeah, I'm really good. The players should, they should pick me up. But, uh, I don't think anybody's that, I don't know that anybody's really that desperate to deal with all the media as Andrew pointed out. Artem, any last thoughts before we move on to college football? (laughs) No, let's talk about more important things. He doesn't deserve any more media time. Okay, well, with that in mind, I did want to hit on one thing I noticed in the rankings. So I left before the Minnesota-Penn State game. So I take it that uh, Minnesota lost to Penn State because Penn State's ranked 8 and Minnesota's ranked 10. How did that How'd that play out? Artem. Not like that. <laughs> that was a good game. thought Minnesota dominated them most of the way and then kind of played like a scared team in the fourth quarter trying to keep their lead and their defense bailed them out you know two or three times Penn State made a lot of mistakes um rankings are garbage don't know how Penn State is ranked eight and Minnesota is ranked 10 with a similar record and a head-to-head win but that's probably why they don't let me do them yeah speaking of rankings being garbage I know I didn't pay attention to anything but uh Alabama's ranked fifth. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, Andrew, do you want to go into uh, anything I missed with Alabama? Um, the coach O finally has an offense. <laughs> you know, LSU's way, way, way better than we thought they were. Or, I mean, I thought they were really good, but, I mean, they've shown that they're – I mean, they're the favorite in my mind in the SEC – and I, I thought that way for a while. I just thought Alabama was too young on defense. And especially now with Tua getting hurt, uh, you know. But the thing to me Wait. is is ranking Alabama fifth sets it up perfectly for LSU to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. And 
Alabama sneak in as the four seed again, even though they didn't win their division. So really quick, I want to touch on something that you just kind of hit on. So two is injured now. How did that? How did that happen? He's out for the year with like a hip fracture or something. It was the the last Alabama drive of the half against whoever the cupcake they were playing last week was. Oh man, that tears me up inside. They said he had a similar injury as uh, Bo Jackson, but problem was Bo was a tough dude and played through it supposedly, and it got worse. But uh, they're expecting Tua's going to make a full recovery. Okay, so you don't think this will hurt his draft prospects? This is just a bad situation. It for sure has, I think, already, because uh, some of those guys like Todd McShay already, already dropped him from, like, 2nd to 13th. But I think he'll still get picked up probably in the first three rounds. He just won't be I mean, in the top five. I mean, I think he'll still be a, a first-round pick. I mean, teams want quarterbacks. I mean, you look, you know, Josh Rosen was a first-round pick who's been benched by the Dolphins already. You know, I mean, there's a lot of – I mean, everyone wants quarterbacks, so there's going to be places for him. And it may hurt him going, say, you know, number one. But, again, do you really want to go to the Dolphins? People are still tanking for Tua and blowing for Burrow. Uh, we got to think of something humping it up for Herbert. That's a good one. Humping for Herbert? No. Nah. nah, I don't. I don't like getting hum- getting humped for Herbert. I don't. I don't like yeah, where this is going. Makes more sense. <laughs> but nah. Okay, so even with two injured, it's not the end of the world for him. It's debatably not the end of the world for Alabama. Although this is kind of an awkward situation for them, it sounds like, because this is the first time the destiny is not really in their control. In a long time. I mean, the pollsters love to go for the big story. Would it be better for them to leave Bama out or better for them to find a way to squeeze Bama back in, you think? Uh, Andrew. I mean, if you just want to generate clicks, putting Bama in is going to do that because it's going to be controversial and it's going to be blah, 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 blah. As well as, you know, the time that you did it, Alabama won the whole thing. So you can't, it's tough to argue and say, well, they didn't deserve to be there, but they ended up winning the whole thing. Um, Obviously, the biggest thing is going to be what happens in both the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and ACC for that matter. Clemson can't lose. But, you know, we're looking at a possibility of, a one-loss Utah versus a one-loss Oregon in the Pac-12 title game and a one-loss Baylor versus a one-loss Oklahoma rematch in the Big 12 title game. So, I mean, those are two that, you know, whoever wins those, especially if you get undefeated LSU, undefeated Ohio State, um, undefeated Clemson, then you've got everyone just kind of fighting for that fourth spot. So now you're telling me that Baylor also lost, if that's uh, what I'm hearing correctly. Artem... Do you want to go into how that happened and the impact it's having on the Big 12? Yeah, so Bama has to beat Auburn first before we even talk about putting them in the playoff. And that's not that's going to be a tall task now that you don't have Tua. So we'll see how their new guy plays next week. But, um, yeah, Baylor blew a 28-3 lead at half <laughs> and uh, then made quite a bit more mistakes and then had the game-winning drive in hand and threw an interception. So they probably will be dealing this week about, you know, how do you recover from that first loss as a team? Uh, the last two seasons, they obviously figured out how to lose. Now they have to figure out how to win and keep winning when you're ahead against a good team like OU instead of 
shitting the bed in the last half of the game. Um, they kind of, you know, you can't give up. you you got to actually keep playing all four quarters. So we'll see if they figure out that out this week. Okay, so that's that's got to be one of the most embarrassing ways to lose a game. Still, it kind of fits with Baylor, given that they have found ways to lose games and then found, like, miraculous ways to come back and win them at the last second. Uh, it makes sense that that finally f- fell flat for them against OU. Uh, I'm trying to think. So, Andrew, it sounds like from your perspective, <clears throat> would it make more sense for a one-loss Pac-12 or a one-loss Big 12 team to make it in? Or are we looking at another one where the 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 uh, committee is definitely going to put in another SEC team? Because if my understanding is correct, it sounds like the only undefeated teams are right now are LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. So the last spot is still o- available uh, which of those makes most sense to you, Andrew? Uh, I have always and will always felt that winning a conference title trumps everything. So an Oregon with a conference, a Pac-12 conference title means more to me than an Alabama that didn't win their division. Uh, I mean, same thing with, a, with an Oklahoma or a Baylor. It, especially like an Oklahoma that would have beaten Baylor twice. You know, Baylor beating Oklahoma would create that weird kind of Texas OU thing we dealt with last year, the year before. But yeah, I mean, I've always 100% felt that winning your conference is the biggest part to me. What can get really crazy is say you, you get a one loss Minnesota that shocks the world and knocks off an undefeated Ohio state in the big 10 title game. What, what do you do with that Minnesota, and what do you do with that now one-loss Ohio State? Well, I'm kind of curious. I'm looking very intently at this weekend uh, because I think of the teams left, Ohio State has the hardest road. they got to go through Penn State. they got to go through Michigan. And I know people are knocking on them. Uh, I guess now that they've lost to who, Iowa? Oh, man, Minnesota lost to Iowa. But point being, like, all those teams are very difficult row opponents for an Ohio State team. So I think Ohio State definitely has the hardest road ahead of them compared to Clemson, who just has, I mean, let's be honest, probably just cupcakes com- compared to Clemson. And LSU, who's got basically the SEC championship game to walk through. Um I'm trying to think if anybody else has got a really tough schedule to go through. I mean, Bama's got the Iron Bowl, but they're not going to play in the SEC championship, so it doesn't matter. And, gosh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm trying to think of another way for a team to get in, but Ohio State's probably got the toughest road. So this makes it an interesting matchup this weekend, with uh, especially with Penn State. Artem, what, sorry, what – what are your thoughts about the uh, committee situation going forward? I think you'll see a Oregon or a Utah make it in for sure, unless something crazy happens in the next two weeks. And honestly, if I was the committee and I was already they're already messing around with the rankings anyway, I, I would find a way to exclude Clemson and to punish them for the easy schedule they have, um, and include like I don't know a one loss. Utah or something 
over Clemson. Because they're already not following the precedent this year anyway, so might as well see what you can do there. Make up some new shit. Any third? Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead, Andrew. I was going to say, the other, the other crazy part is if Penn State beats Ohio State this weekend, Penn State's probably going to win the Big Ten East. <laughs> now, do I think they're going to beat Ohio State? Find out later. But uh, I actually somewhat agree. The, the thing about it is Clemson is where they are because they're your defending national champion and they're undefeated. It's the same thing that Florida State got in, what was it, 2013? Uh, you know, if you're the defending national champion and you don't lose a game, uh, you're going to get into the playoff. Like, that's that's precedent. That's how it's been set, regardless of how bad of a schedule you had or how many close wins or losses, you know, close wins you had, which was the big argument with Florida State, is that they, they weren't dominating games that they should dominate, so maybe they didn't. It's where we started getting this idea of game control and all these other stats that people start making up to justify their thoughts. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, again, you're undefeated. You can only play the games you can play. You know, it's it's not Clemson's fault that Florida State sucks and Louisville sucks and Wake sucks and Georgia Tech sucks and, you know, Virginia Tech sucks and all of these other teams suck. Like, you play who you play. Uh, you know, unfortunately – the ACC's down this year. It, it happens. You know, conferences go in cycles. But uh, if you win them all, you're probably going to get in, unless you're G5, and then you're pretty much fucked. I will say, you know that one of those teams on the schedule was Texas A&M, right, Artem? So. Yeah, and we're not ranked, so cupcake schedule. <laughs> I think you're ranked in everything but the play. That's correct. No, it's funny you guys were just talking about, and the one thing I couldn't stop thinking about, I was like, wait, I you know, I had to check the college rankings and see, but I don't know if you guys realized it, but UCF is not in that. UCF didn't make the rankings, so I was like, okay, we've been talking about UCF for years now. Where did they go? They're 7-3, and three, so now you have the committee pushing you know, SMU to be the one of the ranked teams at 25. SMU has the same record as Memphis. I don't think Memphis is in the rankings, are they? I think Memphis beat SMU, and I think they're ranked higher than SMU currently. Yeah, in the in the college rankings? To the Google. Yeah, I'm trying to find it, but... Yeah, Memphis, is, Memphis is 18th. Okay. Uh, SMU is 25th. At least that makes uh, sense. Memphis is currently in the driver's seat for the G5... New Year's Six Bowl, but they, I believe, would have to play Cincinnati mm-hmm. in the championship game if if both teams went out. And they're both nine and one, so and I'm, I'm I'm just looking at it. You got SMU who's ranked 25. You got Navy unranked, but their standings are Memphis, Navy, SMU. So SMU's not even second best in their own division, or yeah, division of the conference crazy yeah and, and i think i think navy's only losses currently are to memphis and notre dame there you go i think we're going to talk about that game later if we ever get to it yeah i don't know that we're ever going to get to it but it's fascinating <laughs> what do y'all feel where do y'all feel about the standings you know we've been talking about this back and forth for a while are do you think they're just do you think the committee is just ignoring all the rankings past the top four it seems like not a lot of serious thought was put into it, given the whole Penn State-Minnesota situation, given the App State-Memphis-Cincinnati, uh, all these guys making it in. Uh, what are your thoughts on the ranking system in general? Do y'all 
Do you all agree with where these teams have been placed? Honestly, what I think that they should do for the playoff is they should name the top six and then the highest rated G5, and that's it. I don't see any reason for them to do a full top 25. That's just ridiculous to me. Because like you said, and anyone outside of the top four and like the, the highest rated G5, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's there to create narrative. It's there to drive clicks and eyeballs and other bullshit. Like, it's kind of like my argument. Uh, you know, I do like the fact that the playoff ranking doesn't come out until November, but if it really was about just picking the four best teams, then you wouldn't release the playoff ranking until after conference championships, and then that would be that. You would release the four, here they are, bing, bang, boom, done. But because you want to sell narratives, you want to create crap, and you want to do all of this, you release a full top 25 that's pointless, and you do it in the middle of November. Or you could just release the top four teams. Like, bam, don't even release the top yeah, six. Who cares? Exactly. Well, like you said, it's absolutely all narrative. Because if you look at who has what, like, okay, Clemson's actually played 11 games, apparently. Did you guys know that? How yeah. is that even possible? Have they, not had, our, have they not had their bye week? Or, or I, think it's a, I think it's a two-bye week um, season. So they may, they may have not had one of their bye weeks. Yeah, so if you're just looking at, you know, when, before college football playoff and everything, and people are arguing about, oh, I'm a better 9-1 team than, than you, who is also nine and one? We deserve to be champion, national championship more than you. Whatever. You, you look at this and you're like eleven and no Clemson. So Clemson's played one more game than Ohio State and LSU. You're telling me that Ohio State and LSU are better with only ten wins. And you got a bunch of nine and one teams followed by Florida. Then for some reason Wisconsin and Michigan, who both have two losses, but Baylor's only loss is OU, and they're. Uh, seven ranks below OU and worse than three other teams who have two losses. Then you have a random Auburn in there at seven and fucking three, and then a bunch of nine and one teams essentially to close it out with a bunch of random like Iowa State at six and four in the Big Twelve. What the hell? None of this makes sense. It, it, I mean, really, what you just said makes a lot of sense. They released the top four, and they're like, "Hey, in turn, go put these in a random order, or in this case, keep them at the same ranking they were last week." You know, Auburn Auburn gets credit for losing to LSU and Georgia and Florida. Like that that's why Auburn's where they are, is they're like, Well, you know, we don't think they've really beaten anybody except Oregon, which is probably their best win. But, you know, they, they lost to really good teams, so you know, that matters. By that narrative, Texas A and M lost to uh Clemson, what, Clemson and, uh, and Auburn. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> It's so, it's like you said, it's so ridiculous. You can't compare head-to-heads. They should just be like, all right, your record is what matters first, no matter who you played. And then from there, we'll talk about your strength of schedule. Well, I, Again, I, I think they should only release like four or six and just be done with it. <clears throat> all right. Well, I think we've got a good opinion on uh, where we sit with that. But uh, I know we kind of gave up on the gimmick about halfway through uh, as far as like keep updating me with all the stuff I missed. But, Artem, I know that you had a few other things that you wanted to talk about before we got into the picks. So if you've got teams you want to rant about, uh, go ahead. I'll leave the floor to you, Artem. Oh, it's all good. They're mostly in the picks. I'll talk shit while I make my pick. Okay, Andrew, do you got anything else to add before we head to the picks? I'm sad because we're getting towards the end of football season, and that makes me sad. Does it make you sad that we're getting towards the end, or does it make you sad because we suck and we're getting towards the end? Um, well, 
you know, football to me is like pizza, where even if it's bad, it's still pizza. So, I don't know. Signing day's in December, so that'll be a fun kind of lead up where everyone freaks out and Tom Luganbill tells us where everyone's going to school. I am kind of looking forward to the draft this year, if not just to figure out uh, who's going. Well, now that two is injured, I guess figure, figuring out where everything ends up uh, with that in mind. But, uh, all right, I've got my picks up. If y'all are ready to go with those, I am ready to pick them. So to start off the games of this week in, or, in a totally made-up order because I, as, as Arden pointed out before we started the cast, uh, why the fuck did I pick these teams? None of this makes any sense. I'm just like the committee. I just like randomly picking teams and throwing them in there. So today we start off with Texas at Baylor. I thought Baylor was going to be undefeated, but apparently I was wrong. And then Texas is uh, Texas. I don't know. They're Longhorns. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> uh, I've got – I'm going to take Baylor. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? Somebody very wise. I don't even know the name, but quote. So I'm going to use it. Uh, Texas is in a uh, a decade of mediocrity that knows no bounds. And that was like the Dallas Morning News or some shit. But um, I'm going to go with Baylor on this one. They're playing at home. Um, they don't really have any injuries or anything like that. And they don't have the 130th defense in the country. So Texas. I mean, it's, whoa, Baylor edited that shit out. All right, Andrew, Texas or Baylor? I, I still don't get how this is only a five-point spread. I think Baylor's really good, and Texas has just been a letdown this year. Um, you know, they, they've lost three conference games to TCU, Iowa State, and Oklahoma, and Baylor plays really, really good defense. I really love what Matt Rule's done in Waco, and I think that he's going to pick up another win and keep setting up for a, an OU rematch in the Big 12 title game. Which I still got to figure out how the playoff system works in the Big Twelve. It's just best two records. Yeah, yeah. it's just the it's just the top two teams. Okay, funky. All right. Which Oklahoma State is breathing down their back now. Texas is not even like a top four. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's like it's Oklahoma with one loss, Baylor with one loss, and then like a bunch of three loss teams, right? Yeah, and all this head to head stuff, and it'll all change in the next two weeks too. Awesome. Okay, next up, another conference that doesn't really matter. We've got, well, I was going to do pick, pick Duke and Wake Forest, but uh, at Andrew's request, we will instead do, was it Pitt at Virginia Tech? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that game just has more of an impact. Because I think, I mean, the winner, if if Virginia Tech wins, it means that the Commonwealth Cup winner when they play Virginia will win the division. If Pitt wins, they need Virginia Tech to beat Virginia in order for them to win their second straight Coastal Division title. But if Virginia wins the Coastal, there will be the seventh different team in seven years to win the division. Well, you've done a good job hyping it up for us. I'm going to... Who are you rooting for for seven for seven? Uh, So we need Virginia Tech... To actually, to be fair, this week doesn't matter. We just need Virginia to win next week. 
that's really the big one is we need Virginia to beat Virginia Tech for the first time in 13 years in order to win the division, which would make them the seventh team in seven years to win the Coastal. Seventh different team in seven years. But now you're telling me this week doesn't even matter, so why are we care? But anyway. That was the most anticlimactic thing ever. <laughs> I think it matters because I don't I don't know if Virginia is good enough to beat Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech's hot, and I think it's a more important game than Duke-Wake. Okay. Just because I think Wake's going to run away. Fine, I'm taking Virginia Tech because they beat the crap out of us. All right, Andrew, who do you got? I'm also taking Virginia Tech because Hendon Hooker's come in and has been a really good bright spot for them offensively. Pitt's not very good on offense, and Virginia Tech's good on defense and significantly better on offense. So I think I think Virginia Tech's going to win it and really kind of set up the Friday night Commonwealth Cup showdown next week. With Okay, Artem, who do you got in that matchup? In this matchup of teams that beat North Carolina in overtime, I'm going to take Virginia Tech. All right, that makes it simple. Everyone takes Virginia Tech. All right, let's see if we can keep this train rolling. Next up on the list, uh, a game that we can actually stick with, Oregon at Arizona State. How firm are you for Herm? Probably not that firm. I've got I've got Oregon going into uh, Arizona and walking out with the win. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? Yeah, this one's Oregon. And I don't know what's going on with Arizona State, but it's not good. Andrew, you on you in agreement? Yeah, I think Arizona State loses their second straight game to a team from Oregon. <laughs> Sadness. All right. Next up on the list, uh, at request of Artem this time, instead of Utah at Arizona, we are doing, is it Georgia at Texas A&M? I'm not asking the teams. I know the teams. I'm just asking. It's, it's in Athens. Oh, it's in Athens? Damn it. Okay, fine. Texas A&M at Georgia. Uh, going on hate here. Texas Taking Texas A&M. Going against Logic and running on hate. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? Texas A&M. Also, to go back to the Arizona-Utah matchup, Kevin Sumlin started 4-1 and one in a magical phenomena that happens to him every season. He has lost five straight. So okay, thanks, yeah, thanks. Should know a little bit on Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> you just had to drop in the Kevin Sumlin facts, huh? Well, there was a lot of hype around him at like four and one, which is the same shit he did at A and M for like five years. He'd start like four and one, five and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, and then all of a sudden he'd drop like four straight games. So welcome to what we know for a while, Arizona fans. Okay, back to the actual matchup, Andrew. Who do you got? I refuse to pick Georgia, but I think A&M can win this game. The Georgia offense has not looked great recently. They've definitely been a team that's really relied on their defense and then just kind of scored enough points to win, which we kind of saw backfire against South Carolina where Jake Fromm decided to throw the ball to the other team. So it'll be interesting to see what Kellen Mond can do on offense if they can you know, generate enough against what's a pretty solid Georgia defense. So I saw a stat line gonna- that said that he – the only interceptions that Fromm has thrown this year were against South Carolina. He has three interceptions, and those were all in that game. I think they were all to the same guy. They were all well for yeah. South Carolina. They were all to the same guy. Yes. Um, there was also a stat I saw somewhere that when Jake Fromm attempts thirty or more passes, Georgia's like zero and five. Nice. 
So if if the NM defense can kind of come in and and slow down, shut down that Georgia running game, I think they've got a chance. Yeah, I think we're actually like very well poised for this matchup. I don't think it's a thirteen point spread. I'm not saying one hundred percent we're going to win, but we can leave our guys on corners against wide receivers that aren't proven for them and stack the box against the run. And as long as our guys don't miss tackles, it should be a relatively low-scoring game in the 20s somewhere. I just need you to injure enough of Georgia's players that next week we can just kind of walk in and walk out with an easy win. I mean, I don't know. That's like half the roster probably. Apparently two of their offensive linemen are semi-hurt, so we just got to re-injure those guys. Yeah. That's a good start. I mean, uh, if the NFL has taught me anything, you can just take their helmets off and start bashing them in the head with it. That would probably... Yeah, just, you know, put out the second string out there to start, <laughs> get them ejected, and then put the real guys in. Yeah, smart move. Yeah, Artem with the coaching strats. All right. Next up on the list. So, unless I'm wrong, which is a distinct possibility, Illinois is actually going to make it to a bowl game this year because I think they've already won six games. Very impressive. Illinois going on the road to Iowa. Uh, who do we got in this matchup? Probably Iowa, but it, why is it on here? Because I wanted to point out that Illinois is going to be in a bowl game. Uh, I am going to pick Illinois because I hate myself. All right. Artem, Andrew, why are y'all picking Iowa? Because Iowa's really good. They're the better team. It is pretty fascinating, though, that it, this is Lovey Smith's first good season in at Illinois. Because uh, I mean, I was trying to fire him like two years ago. <laughs> so you know, maybe we shouldn't listen to me when I want to fire guys. Uh, Illinois is not very good defensively. They're giving up over 400 yards a game, and, and I think I was just, especially being in Iowa City, I just don't think that Illinois is good enough to. You know, they may have Wisconsin. But that was at Illinois, so I just I, I think that Iowa is just too good of a team. Yeah, I don't know if people finally started listening to him. If he just like lucked into a season finally using whatever structure he had in place, but they're they're pretty decent this year. Um, I I don't think they're going to beat Iowa. However, just looking at how close Iowa has played everybody else, their losses are total by seven points. Well, actually, I can't see that one but really close within one score. And um, this is essentially the culminating Iowa team where they win a bunch of games because they got a bunch of big boys blocking. and They're giving up a lot less. Um, these numbers are right. It looks like Illinois survives off of turnovers because they allow more yards per game than they get through their offense. And they're 6-4, and four, so I'm assuming there's a lot of turnovers. Ben, don't break kind of stuff. But I do think Iowa's a better team. Fair enough. I mean, Iowa probably is a better team. Next up on the list, uh, Boise State at Utah State. So this is actually a pretty big one in the Mountain West. These are two pretty tough teams. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are thinking of Utah State because they don't make the big headlines. But they're both pretty well touted. They've done well at the start off the year. And uh, uh, coming into the end, this could have an impact on the Mountain West uh, championship game. I've got Boise. Uh, Artem, who do you got in this matchup? Well, interestingly enough, when I pulled this game up, it said both quarterbacks are questionable for the game, Um, which at first I was like, okay, Boise's a little bit more loaded as far as talent goes than Utah State, uh, just by looking at recruiting classes. But also, 
Utah State's quarterback has more interceptions than touchdowns, so it could be in Utah State's favor that their quarterback's not playing. But I'm still going to go with Boise in this matchup. Okay, that's that's an interesting stat. Uh, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? I think it's Boise. I think Artem kind of hit on it best where they've got more depth to deal with Hank Bachmeyer not playing. And the guy that's – and Bachmeyer's actually missed three out of the last four games. So the guy they've had playing other – you know, the guy that stepped into his shoes has played well enough that, you know, they, they haven't lost in four games. Both teams lost to BYU. Boise was close. Utah State wasn't. So I think I think Boise State wins it and kind of keeps on chugging in their fight to be the, the G5 team in the uh, – in the New Year's Six Bowls. Okay, next up on the list, we've got SMU going on the road to Navy. SMU's kind of fallen a little bit short of their expectations after dropping two, I believe, in a row. It's kind of hard to keep track when you're in Italy. And uh, Navy, meanwhile, has only lost to Memphis and Notre Dame. I believe Andrew mentioned something about that earlier in the cast. Uh so really impressive on Navy's part, but these are two teams that are looking to secure a higher bowl position at the end of the year. So I'm going to stick with Navy. Uh, Andrew, I think I know who you're going with, but why, why don't you tell me yourself? Yeah, I think it's the midshipmen. This is a really, really, really good Navy offense. I mean, obviously they didn't show it against Notre Dame, but you know what can you do there when you're that overmatched? Both of them have lost to Memphis. I think it was both close games. This game's at Navy. Um, I, I'm really excited. I think it'll be a really fun game to watch because it's two offenses that I absolutely adore. So I will probably watch almost all of this game if I can do it. You know, Malcolm Perry, the quarterback at Navy, is incredible on his feet. And then, you know, Bushell at SMU has really put up strong numbers for them. So I think it'll be a fun game. The over-under 67, I think it'll be a high-scoring game, which will make it even more fun. But I think the midshipmen win. All right, Artem, who do you got? I think this is an interesting matchup, like Andrew said. And I look at the next three games for the midshipmen, and they're all going to be really fun to watch, Andrew. Uh, you got SMU, Houston, and Army. Uh, when they play Houston, you're essentially looking at similar type shit as SMU. You got a high-powered offense against um, the midshipmen, and then you, you got an Army game, which is uh, going to have some bad blood from last year, how that ended. But... Um, I do think SMU is a little bit overhyped in the sense that I don't think they have the horses, pun intended, uh, to beat the midshipmen. Um, the only reason they're good, in my opinion, is you, you get a you know four or five star quarterback that transferred out from a power five program because he wasn't playing there, and they put another guy who was actually a worse passer than him. But anyway, I think that's why they're good because uh, their defense stinks to high hell, and when you got the midshipmen controlling the clock and pretty much being able to score whenever they want to outside of that. I, I don't see SMU really being able to, to beat them. Although Mustangs can catch up pretty quickly. I just don't think they have the, the offense and midshipmen won't give them the ball often enough to, to try enough. All right, moving on. We've agreed on pretty much everything here. Next up on the list, Temple at Cincinnati. Uh, matching up with my trend of picking Temple randomly in our games, uh, Cincinnati has been a pretty big team, and they look like they're going to be the big opposition for Memphis for a uh, 
New Year's Six Bowl uh, coming out of the – is it the Regional Five? What are, what are they called? Uh, anyway. The Group of Five. Group of Five. Anyway, point being, Temple's going on the road to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a good team. I'm picking Cincinnati. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? It'd probably be a um, more challenging game for Cincinnati if it was at Temple. But it's at Cincinnati, and I, I think they're better in every category. So I'm going to go with them. Okay, Andrew, you also picking Cincinnati? I am, and I have been on the Cincinnati bandwagon since before the season. I told you all, but you didn't want to listen to me. But so an interesting thing that I just noticed, though, is that Cincinnati plays Temple this week. If I think they've already clinched their division. But next week, they play Memphis. With the very, very real possibility of a rematch, if, 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 so if Cincinnati wins, actually Cincinnati it doesn't matter, I don't think. So if Cincinnati wins today, and then they'll play Memphis next week. If they beat Memphis, SMU and or Navy could step in to play in the championship game against Cincinnati. If Memphis wins, we probably would get a next week rematch between Memphis and Cincinnati in the American championship game that's kind of a wild scenario to think about so it's there's a lot that hinges on next week's game i mean that's gonna be yeah a good so game. it's it's one of those where if cincinnati wins to this weekend they've wrapped up i i think they've wrapped up the division because they would only be able to have one loss and that would be to memphis on the other side memphis on the other hand would be playing to stave off the winner of the navy smu game this weekend so the American's still pretty exciting, especially on the West side. It'll definitely be something to watch for. But uh, as far as this week goes, now we get into our personal picks. I'm going to take a pick that uh, was on our list that got moved off. I'm going to pick Wake Forest over Duke. Uh, Andrew, what is your personal pick of the week? Uh, I'm going to stay in the American Athletic. And I'm going to talk about UCF at Tulane. UCF was a team that we, you know, everyone saw. They were the, the flag bearer for the G5, the new team. Well, you know, this year they've, they've kind of fallen off. They're a three-loss team, two losses in the conference. And then you're looking at a Tulane team that no one really expected a lot out of. But you know, we've got they've got six wins. Willie Fritz has gotten them to a bowl game, which is a huge thing to do at a place like Tulane. And I think they actually match up really well with UCF. The problem is they're, they've lost three out of their last five, so it's really going to take a turnaround in New Orleans for them to be able to do it. And and I think they're going to. They've, they've played decent defense. You know, That's really going to be the thing is can they shut down that UCF offense? Um, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to, and I think UCF wins the game. But low-key, I think it'll be a really exciting game and a really fun one to watch in the early slot on Saturday. Yeah, that was another one I thought about added on, but uh, I guess uh, I wanted to leave it open for somebody to choose. Artem, who? Do you, what's your personal pick of the week? I'm going to pick Oklahoma over TCU, which is a really easy one, but the spread here is 18 points, so I'm going to say that it's going to be a one-score game. I do think it's still going to be Oklahoma, but I think they're going to have a, a hard time playing TCU. Okay, fair enough. That's gonna that's a interesting matchup to watch for. And finally, that brings us to our matchup of the week. 
Uh, I think everybody, we touched on it earlier, but Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State's going to have the hardest road ahead of them to continue to remain undefeated. Penn State looking to pull a uh, big upset on the road and possibly put themselves back into some kind of playoff position. I am going with my gut on this one since I already went with Illinois, so I can't fuck up any worse. I'm going to go ahead and pick Penn State. Um, I, Artem, who do you have in this matchup? Uh, both teams have played quite a bit of you know, three ranked teams in the last six weeks, so it's definitely interesting in the sense that uh, we know Penn State is vulnerable. They got beat by Minnesota, and Minnesota had the kind of the the template of how to do that. So that's why they played Indiana, you know, thirty four twenty seven. Although I do think Indiana is a lot better team now than they have been. Um, both teams kind of blew out Michigan State, but I think. In this game, we're going to learn more about Ohio State than we have had before. Uh, I, I do think they they have played some you know ranked opponents, but and I'm not saying Wisconsin's bad. I think Wisconsin's just in a place where if they fall behind, it's really hard for them to to catch up. They don't have enough of a passing game. They're a run first team, so I think this this is a good matchup for uh, kind of a, a gauge to what Ohio State's going to do and how well they they'll do in the playoffs this year. Uh, they have enough games under their belt to where everybody kind of has an idea of what they try to do, how do they, tr- they try to do it, and um, nobody's been able to beat them yet. So I think uh, I think it will be Ohio State. Uh, it is at home for them. It is an 11 o'clock game, so I think it's going to look really close in the first half. And in the second half, Ohio State's going to pull away. But I do I do think uh, Nindy Lions still have a, a solid chance here, probably more than the 18-point line gives them. Uh, but I think we'll learn quite a bit about Ohio State in this one and see if they can make the, the playoff run. All right. Let's see. Uh, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? It's Ohio State, and it's not close. Fun. The Ohio State offense is incredible. I mean, they, they've blown everyone that they've played out, including the Wisconsin team that we thought was pretty good, 38-7. to The defense is giving up 9.8 points per game, and they get Chase Young back, who's been suspended, who's just a monster at defensive end. I, I don't think this game is ever close. I think Ohio State's just too talented. They're too good across the board. And, yeah, I think they just keep marching and keep marching. Justin Fields has thrown one interception to 31 touchdowns. Like, that's it was, incredible. It was a very convenient timing to get him in just in time for the, the real games. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm all about Ohio State winning a national title this year. I'd be perfectly happy with it. I wouldn't. Yeah, you're by yourself there. I'd I mean, I want, them to, win it, I want them to win it with Justin Fields so I can laugh at Georgia fans. I would I would like it if they won it over Georgia. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. You can laugh at them now. They're ten and zero, and Georgia's not. So when Georgia loses the SEC championship, it's a lot. But they don't have to win the national championship. They're douchey enough already. I mean, it'll be tough to laugh at Georgia when they beat us by seventy five. After Thanksgiving. Don't know that. Well, with that sure. attitude, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, fun thoughts. All right, well, I got to go before Mayoronek craps out on me. Thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in, and y'all have a good rest of your week. Good night, everybody.